mindfulness mode. It's all inside of us. The answers are there. We just need to remember to search them there. Welcome to Mindfulness Mode. I'm Bruce Langford. So good to have you with us. Today, I'm interviewing Natalia. Now, I interviewed her back in October, and today's episode is just going live with that interview. But of course, at that time, we had no idea of the extent of the unrest that would be happening in Ukraine by February. And so I texted her today and I said, Natalia, I'm just thinking about you and your family every day because she's in Canada, but her father and brother are still back in Ukraine. And I said, what can we do? What can I mention on the show today? And she said, well, you know, if you could encourage North America to open their doors for refugees to arrive without a visa, that could help so much. Because the UN says that the number of Ukrainians seeking refuge in other countries could rise to 5 million as this invasion intensifies. And a lot of countries have already opened their doors to Ukrainian refugees. And I know that Ireland just did this on Friday. And in Canada, it's being considered. And the more countries open up to the refugees, the easier it will be for them to survive because I can't even imagine how challenging it must be for the refugees right now. So you can actually just go online and and search visa-free travel for Ukrainian refugees to and then put in your country, whatever it is, and you can sign a petition. Hopefully get this happening because there are a lot of people that need refuge. And you'll hear her story and uh, just please, I encourage you to do what you can. Sign a petition or do what you can. She said also, if you can encourage different countries to cover the Ukrainian sky to protect civilians from being bombed, that can be a huge help as well. So with that, on with the show and uh, I hope you enjoy it. You know, I was just sitting here thinking about things and and talking to my guest for a moment before the interview starts and telling her that I'm so impressed with anyone who is able to make the transition from living in a in a country so far away from us here in North America, making this transition, coming here, living in Canada, learning a new language, learning the new culture, and that is exactly what Natalia did. Now, not only did she do that, but she has been able to thrive and help people all over because Natalia Hramova is a health coach. She's a nurse. She's an entrepreneur. I mean, I am so impressed with with her bio. She's been a professional musician and she was a journalist previous to the year 2000 when she did pack up and move from the Ukraine to a brand new life here in Canada. She's the author of multiple art-related articles and interviews and her most recent work focuses on the human soul's struggle to survive, adapt, and thrive. And that's exactly what she's done. Transitioning to North American culture has not stopped Natalia from doing what she's always loved. And that's writing 
and also caring for people. So she's continued to write and care daily for patients in one of Canada's most prominent hospitals. And this is one of her favorite quotes, which I just love. In a world where you can be anything, be kind. And she truly is that. It's one of her favorite mottos. And as a mental health advocate, her compassionate care has touched the lives of well, like I said, hundreds of patients struggling to survive. Natalia continues to be an inspiration to her followers across the world to be their best self while courageously facing adversity. So, Natalia, are you in mindfulness mode today? Oh, I feel very peaceful. And thank oh. you so much for your kind words. You're I most welcome. I feel peaceful welcome. and centered. Oh, that's wonderful. I do too. And I've, I've been looking forward to this day, looking forward to this opportunity to talk to you about mindfulness in your life and the many things that you've accomplished in your life. What does mindfulness mean to you, Natalia? You know, uh, I discovered mindfulness uh, maybe year seven ago. And uh, for me, it became a bridge to inner core of who I am. It became that wonderful road to my own value, feeling who I am deep inside, feeling sometimes lost peace inside of me, regaining it collecting it so I can use it in my daily life. It's definitely has become alleviation from suffering and basically second meaning to my life. Because when I go into mindfulness mode, I feel that there is something much deeper inside of me much greater than I could ever thought, think and, and contemplate. And uh, this greatness is present inside of my soul. So <clears throat> I would say that it's, it's a road to something that is much greater than me. I find myself in mindfulness. Wow, that is beautiful. So that I can live my full life mindfully. Yeah. Wow. You are so well-spoken. Your words are so carefully chosen and so meaningful. I want to go back to what you said, that this is inside of you, something much greater inside of your soul. What would you describe that as? Because I know that you grew up in Ukraine and you did not grow up with a religious you know, a religious life, yeah. a religious basis. But this sounds very spiritual. This sounds very religious. How would you describe it? To be very honest with you, I am very far from religion. I grew up in Soviet Union. We had churches closed, synagogues closed. Everything was basically closed. Only in far, far villages, people had access to churches and to priests. And they did it illegally sometimes. But I always was fascinated with the church and inside of church and feeling of 
greatness and peace inside of that structure. And uh, I considered myself an atheist, but uh, coming to Canada, going through the suffering of anxiety and panic attacks that I experienced for many, many, many years, brought me closer to thinking about universe. And I start feeling slowly with meditation that there is definitely a strength of something inside of me that I wasn't aware of before. And I realized that my soul is something that coming from the universe. So I start believing and practicing that belief in the universe and the outer strength that exists outside of me and that has connection to me. And I realized that it's actually in my power to connect to that source. And I became a believer in universe. Um, I don't practice any religion. If I were, I think it would be Buddhism mm -hmm. because I love the teachings, but I'm not really a practicing person for religion. I, I really admire people who are deeply into belief into particular um, entity like Christians and Jewish people and uh, Muslims and Buddhists, because to me, their life has stronger core, stronger center, and they have something to rely on in their daily struggles. Whereas for me, I had to find it for myself. Right. Right. Very, very interesting. I want to go back to your life in Ukraine, in the Soviet Union, as a journalist. Yeah. Paint a picture for us of a life, a day in your life back then. Well, I my journalist years actually concur, uh, con uh, were uh, coexistent with Perestroika. Have you ever heard about Perestroika? I, I have heard about it, but I would ask you to explain it explain. a bit. Explain, yeah. Too, that please. was a collapse of Soviet Union. Okay. And beginning of, uh, well, childbirth of Ukrainian democracy. Right. So we had so many discoveries about Stalinist years. We got mm -hmm. access to literature that never was published. We got access to materials that were prohibited for decades. Mm -hmm. And it was mind-blowing to learn all this. And um, when I practiced journalism, it was already an independent Ukraine, beginning of an independent Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And uh, my practice was around uh, culture because I graduated from conservatory of music. I studied history of art and music. And uh, my focus was on uh, concerts, theater performances, uh, the people who created culture. So I took a lot of interviews. One of uh, interviews that I'm very proud of was with um, Montserrat Caballé, 
and Enrique Iglesias. Those are mm. the stars that people can relate to. Mm -hmm. It was very interesting and very intense. And I, I was learning about these people and learning about myself as I was interviewing them. Uh, amazing creative atmosphere in journalist world that really was one wonderful at the same time couple times i was asked to write about politics and honestly i felt like i stepped in dirt oh wow and i realized that i am not gonna do that field yeah because it completely contradicts my internal values at that moment i understood that the way politics made is totally not my way of accepting life and people in life. So I decided to concentrate mostly on art, on culture. And, uh, you know, it was always a celebration when we had the chance to have a good interview or a good article we would celebrate it with people who gave us interview with our colleagues. Well, it was a lot of drinking mm -hmm. because when you go to interview, you frequently take a bottle of cognac with you. Okay. Uh huh. To build a rapport. I see. So it was interesting. It was. It was. I would say that the life was on fire. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, so you enjoyed that life then? I did enjoy it. Um, but at the same time, I started feeling that it's not everything that I can do. Mm -hmm. I started feeling that there is something inside of me which is not completely utilized. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't know what it was at that moment. And I figured it out only when I immigrated to Canada. And why did you decide to immigrate to Canada? Because my husband was offered a job here. Okay. As, a, as an engineer. Uh -huh. And that was a way out of dire situation because in Ukraine, all the factories were closed at that moment. It was very, very devastating economically period. And he was a leading engineer at one of the factories and he was without employment. Okay. And we lived on my salary, which was really hard. And we had a child at that moment who was five years uh, old. Uh -huh. And uh, we've decided to leave the country and try new life in Canada. Yeah, it was it was first spontaneous decision with a lot of excitement. Mm -hmm. When we came to Canada, the reality actually slapped us in the face because right. the job that he was offered no longer existed. Oh, wow. So we came to Canada and uh, he didn't speak English yes. much. 
he studied it at school, but it was very, very beginner stage of English. Yeah, sure. Yeah, we had a seven years old child. Mm -hmm. I was the one who spoke English. Right. But all of us were without job and prospect of employment. And, right. And we realized that what we did was kind of very brave. Yes. So we, you know, like that two frogs in the milk, one going to the bottom because cannot really move fast. And another one makes a cream by movement. Right. And swims or yes. moves to the top. So yes. we were we were the frog that tried to make a cream. Yes. I realized uh, that I actually want to care for people. I always was very people-oriented person. I love people, communicating with people. Mm -hmm. But then I also uh, always like medicine, probably because in my childhood years, my mom was always sick. Oh, was she? Yeah, she was always sick with a lot of ailments. And uh, I was fascinated by the power of medicine. So I looked at my options and I realized that to study to be a doctor here, it's going to take me nine years, whereas to be a nurse is going to take me just four years. Right. So I went to university. But in order to support ourselves, I also clean houses. Okay. What university did you go to? I went to a University of New Brunswick, collaborated mm -hmm. with Humber College. Okay. So I didn't have to, tra uh, to travel to New Brunswick, but right. uh, I studied here for four years. Yeah. And uh, first two years, I slept with dictionary instead of my husband. Wow. Yeah, I had to. Wow. What an image that is that you were just struggling day and night yeah. to to manage the language in order to get through. But you did. You graduated after four years and, and you became a nurse. Yeah, I graduated with honors. Fantastic. Congratulations. Thank you. And uh, even before I graduated, I was offered a position in uh, two units. One is cardiovascular and one is multi-organ transplant. And multi-organ transplant was extremely exciting because it was relevantly, uh, relatively sorry, new mm -hmm. and very complex field of uh, nursing and medicine. So I've chosen multi-organ transplant when you actually given a new life to people every single day. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. So how long did you do that work? In multi-organ transplant, I stayed six years, studied as I went, uh, took a course of acute care, to take care of more acute patients. And then I realized that there is some stagnation happening to me. Mm -hmm. And I realized it's time to look for new challenges. And I went to intensive care unit, started again, and went to intensive care unit in the University Health Network, uh, Toronto General, which is considered to be one of the most acute ICUs in the country. Wow. 
And how did you use mindfulness during this time as your as your time as a nurse working in the ICU? So to tell you the truth, when I started ICU, I wasn't aware of mindfulness at that time. We had an amazing chaplain who actually introduced me to meditation. He just told me how to do that. So Mm -hmm. when I start feeling very apprehensive toward numerous death experiences that I had in ICU, I started meditating. I started breathing through my pain of losing my patience and trying to find strength inside of me instead of despair or Mm -hmm. i would say that i still felt despair but i learned to accept it as a part of profession right and so you learn not to take this on is that right you learned to not to take it on and not to take it home and and so that it didn't become part of you yeah i i i learned not to personalize it yeah i would still take it home but at home i would do the work Mm -hmm. meditation my favorite was stillness meditation when you lie down and just no music no nothing just you your body and your breathing yeah and i would work through those issues with you know gently accepting all the feelings all the thoughts and just breathing through them now, one of the things you did is you practiced rebirthing. You did rebirthing with Dr. Orr. Would you tell us about that? What, what was that experience like? Oh, yes. It was very intense and uh, very eye-opening. When you do rebirthing, you practice so-called holotropic breathing. Mm-hmm. You breathe without pause in between breath, which puts you in a state of altered consciousness. Basically, you are in a state of trance. Okay. And when you go into that state, all the energy blocks that you have from repressed feelings, from pains, that you encounter during your life, they activate. They activate and with the help of very intense breathing, they become so intense that they reach the peak. And after that, they finally dissipate. So at the beginning, it wasn't a pleasant experience. It was very intense and scary because I I was facing my fears as if I was in, in, let's say, as if I was in a panic attack mode, but breathing through them and knowing that they will dissipate and I just have to stay with this state for a minute or two. Mm -hmm help to get get them out and then 
in the process, uh, the whole process goes approximately two hours. I see. In the process, you finally start feeling enormous sensation of relief, mm -hmm. which is followed by lightness, uh, vibration that so life-affirming, so encouraging, so beautiful that this intense and painful experience absolutely worth it. I see. So what led you to that? Why did you decide to do that? Well, my story is that I've experienced anxiety for many, many, many years. Since teenage years, I remember, maybe I was an anxious child, not aware of that. But since my teenage years, I remember being anxious and being afraid of life. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I, I did some very brave acts. So there were like two half of me. One was anxious and one was brave. And when I immigrated to Canada, anxiety became really bad. It would okay. interfere with my daily life. Mm -hmm. And I would have extreme panic attacks that would last for days. Oh, really? Yes. Not for hours, but for days. Wow. And uh, I start searching for help, but help not with medications, but with internal help. I was trying to, I, I read a lot about different modalities. And rebirthing was one of them that had very good reviews, mm -hmm. although it's in states, it's contradictory. Yes, I, I've yeah. read that. But I also heard about it in Ukraine, and I even wrote an article on it in oh, Ukraine. So I was informed. Yeah, it right. was a very informed choice. And I found one lady in Toronto. She was the only one who would provide mm -hmm. sessions. Mm -hmm. And I went to her, and uh, after first session, I felt a relief. And then I did 10 other sessions, and I was like a new person. How many years ago was that? Oh, I would say maybe uh, maybe 15, 15 years ago, yeah. I see, 15 years ago. So was that Dr. Orr then? No, Dr. Orr is a founder. Oh, is the founder of He's this. He's the founder okay. of method. I studied his methods uh, okay. when I wrote an article on uh, rebirthing in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. But this lady, uh, her name was Tamara Penn. And uh, I recently searched her on the internet. And unfortunately, she's no longer with us. Oh, I see. I see. And to this day, has would you say it's helped you with anxiety? Yes, but if you don't practice, oh, you, you have to revert, continue to practice. You revert to your old ways. But considering that rebirthing needs to be practiced with someone, and I have no one to practice it with, I change practice of rebirthing to meditation, which helps a lot with anxiety. So do you meditate every day? I try my best. Some days um, I take breaks 
and mostly I would say six days a week I meditate. For how long? 20 minutes. 20 minutes. And that's silent meditation then, is it? It's a silent meditation. And, you know, uh, my favorite now is a different one. Oh, tell me about that. Um, well, my favorite one is a walk-in meditation now. Okay. And, you know, the, I was asking myself, what's the reason for that? Why did I switch? And right now I'm working with spinal cord injury patients. Right. And majority of them are not able to walk. So I've learned to appreciate the power of walking, the power of my body to be able to walk. So I started doing walking meditation uh, a year ago, and it's 20 minutes of uninterrupted slow walk when I feel my body touching air, air touching my body, my feet touching the soil, and the, I feel support from the ground. It's a grounding experience, and the whole body coordinated and breathing coordinated with movement. It's a wonderful experience. It wasn't. Is it always? Is it always outside? Do you always walk outside? Uh, well, only on days when it's impossible, when it's rain, like heavy rain. If it's light rain, I still walk. Yes. If it's heavy rain, I don't want to hold umbrella. It distracts me. Yeah. So heavy rain, I, I don't walk. But for that, it needs to be the whole day of rain because I would find moment when it's not raining and I would walk 20 minutes. Uh, right. I, I take that time for myself, even if I am very, very busy. Beautiful. That's great. Yeah. That sounds really great. Yeah. Wow. I want to ask you, I want to ask you, Natalia, if you have a story about bullying where mindfulness would have made a difference either when you were a child or as an adult or do you have any kind of story that you can share with us in oh, your yes. life that okay well, i'd love to hear it well i was bullied in school as a child and then later when i was a young adult and i was studying in conservatory of music mm -hmm. I was asked to join the choir by my friend who was a conductor for that choir. And I enjoyed it very much because we were singing pieces from very, very talented Ukrainian composers. And some of them, we were singing in the churches and if you ever heard the choir in a church, you know how beautiful it sounds and how inspiring it can be. I have because I've been a music director in churches for many years. I'm not now, but I, I was for many years. Yes, go ahead. So you know exactly what I'm talking about. I do. About. Yes, it's extremely inspirational experience. And I loved doing that. But when I started, I started, I actually started noticing that some people in the choir uh, kind of ignore me. 
they treated me with uh, accentuated silence. And I wasn't sure what was going on. From time to time, they would pick on me and made some strange, inappropriate comments about me being there. Not about my performance, but about me actually be a part of that choir. So it was very, very strange. And I couldn't understand what was going on, but I didn't have a heart to confront them. Mm -hmm. um, after maybe several months of being a singer there, I was approached by the friend who actually invited me there. And he, I could, I could see that he was distressed, but by what he was going to tell me, he asked me to leave. Oh, wow. And when I asked what was the matter, <clears throat> excuse me, he said that approximately 40% of people in choir felt that it wasn't my place. Again, I demanded explanation. What, what was it about? About my performance, my punctuality, because I knew I was good and there were no problems related to that. He actually blushed. He became all red and he said, Natalia, I am very sorry, but you are Jewish. Oh my gosh. And our choir is for Ukrainian singers. To say that I was devastated is uh, to say nothing. I was shattered in pieces. I remember it was in the in the middle of the conservatory building and i didn't say anything i just turned and walked away and then i went to a small room and i bawled my eyes there yeah i cried and cried and cried and this heavy feeling of not belonging not being loved I carried for several years with me. Wow. Because even at school, when I was bullied, I was never confrontational. I was searching and seeking approval, love, acceptance from so many people around me. And if I had the tool of mindfulness at that moment when I was kicked out of that choir, I would actually have a chance to go inside of me and search for that value, which I didn't feel at the moment. Value of myself, value of who I am, and, you know, I believe that there is not a problem or challenge in this life that we cannot breathe through. Breathing can take us through pain, through challenges, through suffering, 
And if breathing was available to me at that moment, I am sure I would let it go much faster, much easier than I actually did. Right. Wow, what a story. But you're not Jewish. I am. Oh, you are Jewish. I am Ukrainian Jew. I see. My parents, uh, uh, my mom is Jewish, uh, half Russian. But you don't practice as a Jew, though. Is that right? I am not practicing Judaism as religion. But you were born Jewish, is but what I you mean. I was born Jewish. And yeah. so because of that, you were you were kicked out of the choir. You exactly. were ex- excluded. Exactly. How horrifying. Absolutely awful. That was a little bit, um, that just a little bit of reality in Ukraine at that time. You know, uh-huh. um, I forgave everybody for that. And uh, there is a reason for those for those moments, because when something is very much forbidden for a long time, and Ukrainian culture suffered enormously during mm-hmm. Soviet Union, it was right. russificated and basically suppressed. Then when Ukrainian people started becoming uh, independent and regaining their identity, there were a lot of moments when they were not fair toward people who spoke Russian, people who uh, were not Ukrainian. There were moments mm-hmm. which I experienced in my life, but I totally understand and accept the fact that there were reasons for that. I just happened to be a scapegoat. Yes, yes. Yeah, but I totally forgave because they didn't know what they were doing. No, no. No. And so that happened in Ukraine before you came to North America, correct? Correct. Yeah, I thought that's what you meant, yeah. yeah. Wow, what a what an impactful story that is. Wow. Well, you have so much to share and you know your coaching clients I mean are so fortunate because you have studied so much you have so much life experience and you're obviously able to help your coaching clients in ways that I could never even imagine so they're very very fortunate and I know that you're on Facebook and Instagram and that we can find you on on those places under your name Natalia Ramova and Natalia, N-A-T-A-L-Y-A, Ramova, H-R-A-M-O-V-A. And I will put links into our show notes, Mindful Tribe, so you can you can check that out at mindfulnessmode.com. But you've been featured in a book recently. This is interesting, Natalia. You've been featured in a book, and the book's about to be released soon. Tell us about this. Oh, that's very exciting for me. Uh, you know, funny thing, so many people have a dream to write a book. I never mm-hmm. had that dream. Yeah. Maybe because I wrote so many articles and interviews and I thought, okay, I'm done with this chapter of my life. Beside journaling, of course, which I love. Yeah. 
Um, I was approached by a uh, director of publishing house uh, and asked whether I would like to co-author a book uh, with other authors about overcoming hardship and whether I have a story. And I, for a moment, I thought, do I really have a story? Because so many people immigrated, that's, you know, that's so common story here in North America. But then I realized that I do have a story with regards to my emotional wellness, how I overcame anxiety and extreme panic attacks when actually I had a moment in my life, which I have to be very honest about when I was suicidal. Oh, wow. And I was able to overcome it. And I decided that I am going to share it exactly how it was. So maybe it will help somebody else. So maybe even one person who read it and get in touch with their problems and learn how to overcome it can actually benefit from my story. So I wrote a story uh, and uh, it's, it's a chapter in the book. The book is called Breakthrough Leadership with Natalia Hramova. And my story is called To Live is in Your Power. And there I talk about my experiences from school, my experiences with anxiety, which at the beginning were basically feeling like monsters inside of my spirit. I suffered from not knowing where it's coming from, what to do with it, and how to help myself. And I went through total unawareness to the acceptance moment. So I've learned that in order to heal, you first need to become aware of what you're actually healing. Yes. And the next step is actually acceptance. And it's one of the hardest steps because I was very good at pretending that I'm strong and confident. Mm. And many, many, many people would be absolutely surprised that I experienced anxiety because I always appeared very confident. So for me to accept the fact that I'm struggling with fear was a huge step because mm -hmm. shame was part of my life. Right. When I learned to accept, that was a first step to healing process. Wow. So I did heal. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Incredible. And when does this book come out and how do we get a hold of it? Uh, so the book will be uh, published, I believe, by the end of uh, November. Mm -hmm. uh, the links to where to get the book will be on my Facebook page, on Linktree, okay. on Instagram, on LinkedIn. Okay. 
and I will okay. make a la uh, launch event for the book and uh, uh, I will announce it to the world through my social media. Sure. So everybody who is interested can uh, get their hands on it. Sure. And like I said, I'll put those links in our show notes as well so that you can you can go to Linktree. And as soon as that link to the book is available, it will be there. So yeah. that's very exciting. Now, as we move toward the end of the interview, I want to ask you, Natalia, five quick answer questions. So just 30 second answers are perfect. The first question is this. Who is one person who has been an inspiration in your life when it comes to mindfulness? John Kabat-Zinn. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's amazing. My second question. Uh, tell us, how has mindfulness affected your emotions or affected how you deal with your emotions? I learned to be kind to myself. Mm. Hence that quote that I mentioned yes. in yeah at the beginning of the show yeah you learn to be kind to yourself you're obviously you have this very very kind heart you're obviously kind to others but being kind to yourself is the ultimate isn't it yes yes yeah, absolutely now you've talked about breathing already but maybe you can sum it up tell us how breathing is a part of your mindfulness Breathing is a life force. It brings peace and energy. It centers you. It brings you to who you deeply are in your deepest core. So be with your breathing. Take it with you wherever you go and remember about its existence. I'm looking forward, Natalia, to reading this book that you are featured in this book that you are uh, a co-author of Breakthrough Leadership with Natalia Hramova. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm really excited to, to read this. But share with us, are there any other books that are related to mindfulness that you would recommend to our listeners? Um. Well, I would say it's not directly about mindfulness, but I am a huge fan of Brenna Brown. Oh, yes. Everything by her is, you know, it's a Bible for soul. Yeah. It actually teaches you to be mindful of your emotions, your struggles, your biggest inner fears and achievements recently i reread uh the gifts of imperfections about vulnerability and how to be imperfect and how to accept these and live fully despite of being imperfect so she brown is amazing she is my favorite yeah yes. well Thanks for saying that. Any apps which you would recommend that can help with mindfulness? Honestly, I I am big fan of simply listening to music. Okay. Sometimes I do my meditation with music, and it's a very uh, quiet, uh, calm, relaxing pieces from Mozart, Bach. Uh, some of slow movements from Beethoven, mm -hmm. mostly classic. Yes. 
Yes. Well, Natalia, this has been such an incredible interview. I've really enjoyed every moment of hearing about your your journey and having you share all this with us. And like I said, your coaching clients are very fortunate individuals because they're able to gain benefit from your rich experiences, your knowledge, your kindness, and you are such a fast well, such a fantastic listener as well. So Mindful Tribe, if you're looking for a coach that you can relate to and you relate to Natalia, which I'm sure many of you do, reach out to her. Reach out to her on Instagram or on Facebook. And, you know, I highly recommend Natalia's coaching as well as just the fact that she is such a genuine kind individual. So Natalia, can you give us any final words of advice if anyone listening to this is experiencing anxiety, stress, some of the turmoil like you've experienced in your life, what would your words of advice be? Oh, well, first of all, thank you so much, Bruce, for your kind words. I really appreciate that. It's very dear to me. And, uh, you know, when so many people experience anxiety today about challenges, uncertainty, and like whatever John Kabat-Zinn calls full catastrophe living. Right. I just want to encourage you to turn your look inward and go deep inside of who you are, who you meant to be, who you want to be. And, you know, the best what I can say is a quote from Albert Camus, one of my favorite authors, which says, in the depths of winter, I finally learned that within me, there lay an invincible summer. Beautiful. It's all inside of us. The answers are there. We just need to remember to search them there. The answers are all inside of us. Thank you, Natalia, so much for being a guest on Mindfulness Mode. You're very welcome, and thank you. It was a pleasure. You're welcome. Bye now. Bye. Hey, Mindful Tribe, thanks for joining us. You can find Natalia on Facebook. You can find her on other social media sites like Instagram. And I have put her link tree available for you here. Just go to mindfulnessmode.com slash N-H-L-T, standing for Natalia Hermova link tree, N-H-L-T. And you can get everything there. You can find out how to connect with her. And Natalia and her friend are running a five-day challenge on Facebook called Power Up Your Mind and Body. So that's well worth checking out. And uh, thanks for joining us today. And don't forget what I said at the top of the show, that many countries have opened up their doors to uh, Ukrainian refugees, and maybe your country can too. Google visa-free travel for Ukrainian refugees to your country. So take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.